0: here in the, in the book of Acts. So, with that in mind, turn to, to where we finished on Sunday, to Luke 24, starting in verse 50. And now we're going to mer- make our way backwards through the entire book of Luke. When he... This is a reference to Jesus. When he led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, again, this is to the Mount of Olives, the overlooking Jerusalem itself. When he led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them while he was blessing them. He left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Now, this is a a contraction between verse perhaps 45 to 50 of some 40 days of what occurs at the end of the time that Jesus had in his resurrected state on earth. And Luke began his gospel by saying, I decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. And now move your way over to the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 1. And here he says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. And you read it all. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit... To the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And interesting, a lot of those proofs revolved around a mealtime, around breaking bread together. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and he spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion... While he was eating with them, there it is again. He gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. And, and what it was that he had said there is wait for the power that will be coming upon you until you have been clothed with power from on high is exactly the words that Jesus used for John baptized with water. Verse 5. But in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around and asked him. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And what's interesting is that even at this point. There's still pretty grave confusion among the disciples. About all it was that Jesus was as the Messiah. And that he would accomplish as the Messiah. He said to them. It's not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That verse eight is often referred to as the outline of the book of Acts. And exactly what happens is Acts begins with the Holy Spirit being received with power among Jesus' disciples. They then, as witnesses to his resurrection, go out throughout Jerusalem, then through Judea, which includes Caesarea, then into Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. Verse 9, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going up, That must have been cool. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. This description by Luke of two men dressed in white is often so white that it looked like lightning. So this is an awesome sight of of two men that would have then suddenly saddled up alongside of them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. A uh, couple quick points as we tie together Luke and Acts. Uh, number one, it is the good news of Jesus part duh. It is the good it is the gospel part two. And there is such amazing continuity. And what's interesting is that the the background support characters are essentially the same people in both stories. You've got James, you've got Peter, you've got John. You see their exploits. You have Paul added, of course, as he comes along as one abnormally born, is the way that he describes it. One that is born later than the others. But nonetheless, you got a bunch of guys that are kind of bumping into each other and trying to figure out, What it is that they're supposed to be learning as God has come in among them and disrupted their lives. And throughout the gospel of Luke, you see God among men and you see James and John and Peter and Andrew and Philip and and Nathaniel and, and, and the rest all being not only schooled by Jesus, but also equipped by Jesus and ultimately commissioned by Jesus that something greater for them was to occur. And that something greater was not going to be, oh, someday, but it's the very next volume that that Luke writes. And now we have it. But in the first pages of this book, he has Jesus leaving them, leaving them with the disciples hanging, not only on his words, but hanging on his coattails as much as they can, even in the sight of his coattails. And ultimately, he says, time to stop trying to hang on. To what you've seen in Jesus. Because now, what comes is not the Acts of the Apostles, just as we wouldn't call the Gospel the Gospel of the Apostles. This is the Acts of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Jesus says that I, I needed to be glorified so that I could send you the Advocate, another Advocate just like me, the Holy Spirit. And now we see these same part characters, bit players. Amazing as they are, but just people who are now not being in a sense tutored and guided by Jesus, but by the spirit of Christ, by God, the Holy Spirit, instead of God, the son. And now God, the Holy Spirit comes to center stage on the pages of scripture. He, the very author of scripture, now reveals the ultimate of God's plan that as we've seen Jesus, now we see the exact same will of God. Through the Holy Spirit, working not just upon men, but now within men, which will be as the story progresses along the way. Uh, But amazingly, there is no break in the purposes of God or the will of God, the love of God, the character or the compassion of God all along the way. And these men are just as amazed as they were walking along with Jesus. As they were now, as they walk along with the Holy Spirit. And probably even more astounded, now that in this new covenant, a covenant that they could have never imagined, a covenant in which the the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, resides within men. The biggest difference between the two covenants is that the Holy Spirit is now given to us on a permanent basis as an indwelling, as streams of living water flowing from within us. John 7, 38 and 39 that explains that. This is what is, is ours and this is what is theirs. And so as they go about now really doing what it is that he said. That you're going to bring about repentance and forgiveness of sins to all nations. And they well, how, how are we going to do that? We don't even understand you. We don't even understand what you're doing. And we're not even really getting what it is that you want to do right now. Because we think that you're about to restore the kingdom of heaven. And the confusion that they have is really astounding that they could have this level of confusion. Are you going to now restore the kingdom to Israel? And in a sense, they hadn't been expecting that Jesus would die a violent death. His crucifixion made it look as though they in their expectations of the Messiah, that they were wrong. That maybe he wasn't the Messiah. And they weren't headed for top jobs. (coughs) Instead, they were surrounded by persecutors, detractors, and all those that they thought would rally around the cause are now bearing down on them with greater and greater discriminating eyes ready to be able to cast them into prison, which they'll do very shortly. Israel wasn't being renewed. The world was still carrying on its wicked ways and the rich and powerful were still oppressing the poor and needy. Everything was business as usual. And then he rose from the dead again, confounding their own and everybody else's expectations. And what did it mean? Did it mean their dreams of restoring the kingdom of Israel were now back on track? If so, they still did not get it even as he ascended into heaven itself. And all that they could do at this point in time now was to wait, wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. And as much as they understood nothing else, they understood that much. And so they did. They waited until the power would come upon them, which will be Sunday's lesson, by the way. But but for right now, really recognize that they are now trying to take the baton that has been given to them by Jesus and keep the good news on track. Second point, what goes up must come down. This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is critical. He will come back. And the fact that Luke and John and all the New Testament writers make such a big deal. About Jesus having flesh, that He's not just a spirit. Look at my hands, look at my feet, He exhorts them. A spirit doesn't eat, yet here I am eating with you. Come, let's have a meal together. Let's have some broiled fish. Let's break bread. Let's have some wine. All of these things are continually reinforced as signs by Jesus. And even as He goes and ascends into heaven, He does so not as a spirit. He does so in a resurrected body, the same resurrected body that will be yours. And in the same way that he has gone into heaven and he will return. So in his return, he has already confirmed that everything will be made new. And yeah, you're not going to get top jobs now. Yeah, you're not going to be able to see the suddenly uh, topsy turvy of the oppressors being the oppressed or any of that just yet. But when he comes back. Oh. It'll all be made more than clear. When he comes back. Everything will be made new. When he comes back. The fullness of his purposes. Will be revealed. When he comes back. The riches of his kindness. Will be understood. In all of its magnitude. Of God's kindness to you. And to everybody else. And just as everything is reversed. As he comes back. So. Will we live not on clouds, strumming harps in some sort of a ghostly spiritual existence in some sort of an ethereal heaven? But he's coming back to earth. And the Bible describes that when he comes back, the earth will be made new and God will come and be with man. Not we will be kind of translated away. And be with God in some sort of a nebulous spirit existence somewhere up beyond. But that all of that will be here. God made all of his creation and said it's good. It's very good. God doesn't hate matter. God doesn't hate the physical. He likes it. He loves it. Jesus has flesh and blood. And and he kept it. He kept it for a reason, that all of this is going to be made new. This gives me goosebumps, but even like you're going out to the beach and beholding the glory of God and realizing this ain't nothing. Like what's coming our way is so astounding. And what it is that we're being prepared for is going to be jaw-dropping. Or again, I'll be in London next week, we'll be gobsmacked <laughs> as, as we finally realize all it is that God has in store for us. But he is coming back. And when he comes back, yes, we will be gathered up with him in the clouds. But that's the way that all great triumphal parades begin. You leave the city. You meet the conquering hero. And then you come back into the city all together as conquerors. And yes, yes, the angels will come. They'll escort us to meet Jesus coming back the way that he left. And when we meet him coming back the way that we left, we do so as a parade of victory that we've preached about a few times, as we've had occasion in Luke to talk about. But when we come back, you're not going to recognize what it is that we come back to, because then all of this will be made new. Every time you bang on a nail, it will go straight in. It'll never bend and turn into a saxophone shaped thing that you got to pound into the wood and hope that nobody notices. you'll you'll unscrew a screw and it'll never strip and you'll never have to get one of those things to kind of chop the screw off all the work of your hands will be fruitful everything that you do will turn out in grand fashion all of that awaits us you'll have resurrected bodies everything is going to be immortal and glorious and new this is all not for nothing That that Luke has written this, but it's all that we are heading towards that grand and beautiful destiny that is truly ours. But with that in mind, I think we've got to ask ourselves and spend our time. What do I want to do before he comes back? And yes, I'm so excited. And if it happens 15 minutes from now that the sky opens up as a scroll and we hear the voice of the archangel and the sound of the great trumpet and the angels come and they escort us up. If that's 15 minutes from now, Maranatha, right? As they say at the end of Revelation, come Lord Jesus. But there's a part of me that's also like, but wait, if you would. (laughs) Because there's a little bit more that I'd really like to see to be able to happen. And, you know, in, in some ways, yes, that involves like me reaching neighbors and and me kind of working on some things in my character and, you know, getting my act together. But you know, when I think the contemplation of this, you know, just as they were contemplating Jesus's departure, we ought to contemplate his return because when you do and you think about what is it that you really want to make sure you've done everything to really help bring about before he returns, then that tells you, Really, I think what is the Holy Spirit has put on your heart that you're uniquely meant to do. And I think for a lot of us, it involves family. Yeah. And that probably even as I've said that you've, you've already had a, a clear image of a family member that with love, you need to be able to have a conversation. Yeah. And you know what? With that family member, you've also probably had years of being stuck in a pattern that doesn't in any way make it easy to have that conversation. And, and that's why it's kind of still stuck in some sort of a, a rut or in, in some sort of a fashion. But know this, Jesus is coming back. Like this is a, a hard and fast promise. Let's, let's let the clarity of, of what the scriptures are giving us really kind of speak to our hearts about what it is that we really need to do. And, and so as, as we break into our groups, what would you like Well, to do for Jesus if I could edit this now, I would. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know what? This thing, like, messed up so many times the other day. I'm going I'm to go ahead and do it. What would you like? How do you spell two? Thank you. You guys are the most helpful. Sure, today, it all works well, right? Sunday, when I have, like, 20 slides, it breaks 15 times. Uh, what would you like to do for Jesus before he returns in the same way he left. I, I think let this really let your heart cry come forward. And, and you know what? I think if we say the words in front of our friends. Some of the things that we've been afraid to really do. Might, might actually be more actionable. Uh, and, you know for me. I'm, I'm thinking things like some of my older relatives. Where I thought uh, I don't know. What could really be done at this point in time. Or, or, or some of my, my relatives that have been, kind of, and some of my best friends growing up as well. Where I thought, you know, they, they, they know what I'm doing. They probably would ask me by now. You know what? No. I, if, if they're the ones that, that have really been put on my heart, and, and I've been so blessed by Jesus, I think it's time to, to have that kind of a heart-to-heart talk with, with them. And, and by the way, with the whole idea of family and Christmas and all of that coming up, in some ways, what we've got going on with Christmas Eve may, in fact, if you have local relatives or if you have some sort of visit, may in fact end up being a, a particularly opportune time to be able to, to have a talk and, and perhaps even ask them to, to come along to be able to have a time of, of rather sacred worship to look at the, the, um, the great gift of Jesus in our lives. If that doesn't work, doesn't matter. What's more important right now is that we really do honor the, um, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So let, let's go ahead and break into our groups. It's 749. Normally we try to break at 750 to our groups and be able to talk until 815. And we'll get our kids at 815. Neil will go around to be able to take care of some other uh, things while we're, while we're talking right now. Let's go ahead and break to our groups and let's uh, talk about this question with one another. Thanks.